We're continuing in a series uh, this week called Spirit-Led Living. Now, if you want to follow along uh, using the Bible app, you can certainly do that. You can go to Calvary.online, click today's message, or you can find the live event uh, using the Bible app as well. And uh, you, you'll have all the notes, uh, notes there. But we started this series uh, kind of uh, to begin to help us to move forward out of our last series. Our last series was called Moral Compass. And it was all about God giving us a sense of right and wrong and fresh revelation from the Ten Commandments. That there are principles behind the commandments. And that there are blessings behind the command because there's a good God behind every command. If you didn't get to enjoy those messages and be enriched by them, please go to Calvary.online. You can listen to all of them there. They're free. Uh, use them and allow God to, to stir you up through them. But uh, uh, how many of you understand that a compass... Is, is not good for anything unless you're moving forward, unless you're moving. And so um, I began to understand that, that God was, wanted me to, to help all of us understand what movement in Christianity really looks like. What is it really supposed to look like? What are the marks of those who are really following Christ, what does that look like? And I believe it's found in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, which is a, uh, one of those verses, which is a springboard verse for this entire series. And it says this, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So what this is saying is people who are born again are to be led by the Holy Spirit. But let's be honest, many times in, 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 in our church experiences, we hear a lot about the Father, we hear a lot about Jesus, but we don't all the time hear a lot about the Holy Spirit. In some ways, he's like the title of Francis Chan's book, The Unknown God, that he is the, the, the one that we really know very little about, that there's very little revelation about. And yet, the distinguishing mark according to the word of God on the life of a believer is that they will be led by the third person of the Trinity, God, who is the Spirit, that we would be led by the Holy Spirit. But let's be, let's, let's, let's be honest, we, we would call some of those people who are led by God's Spirit, we're like, man, they, those people are really Christian. Man, those, those people are like super Christian. And we kind of make categories of Christians that don't really exist. Like, like we're, they're super Christians, and then there's kind of a normal Christian, and then there's, I've even heard this one, they're just a fleshly Christian. I'm still waiting to find a Christian who is not in the flesh. Think about that for a minute. So uh, we got all these categories, but let's just accept the label that God gives. Christians are people who are led by the Holy Spirit. So what's that mean? You and I need to investigate what it looks like to be led by the Spirit of God. Each week I'm sharing with you uh, some quotes from people who really learned to walk by the Holy Spirit. And today I want to share a quote uh, from a man uh, 
who probably, I have listened to more sermons from this guy than any other uh, person ever. He's a great theologian and Bible teacher, greatly respected scholar. His name is uh, Dr. Jack Hayford. And uh, he says these words about the Holy Spirit. Jesus gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yet when the Spirit comes, he is loaded with packages. Better than Amazon. He desires to release much more in us and through us than we could ever imagine. These gifts are given for delivery, not for accumulation. We receive them to pass them on to others. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes, when God uh, shows up in your life, you being the temple of the Holy Spirit, he comes with gifts. Here, he calls them packages. And these gifts are not just for us to say, wow, I'm really gifted. I'm pretty amazing. Look at me. I need a business card. That's not what it's there for. It's actually for us to give away. Actually, I get really nervous when people start calling them by all kinds of titles. I'm the apostle, doctor, angel, messenger, first evangelist of the third kind. I don't know. You know, uh, th those people make me nervous. They love titles. Uh, here's, here's the title that I want to be. I want to be spirit-led. Why? Because that means I'm a son. That means you're a daughter. I want to be spirit-led. And when I'm spirit-led, it means I'm carrying something for someone else. So today I want to speak to you a message called Led to the, De to the Desert. Led to the Desert. This is part one. They'll be Led to the Desert part two. And if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 8. And we're going to start in verse 26. And this is an incredible story. I mean, this story makes you want to read the Bible more than watch TV. This is that story. This is incredible. I'm going to read it all to you. And then I believe God is going to speak to each one of us about growing in our spirit-led living. Acts chapter 8, verse 26 Begins this way, it says, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, said, Arise and go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake the chariot. So Philip ran to him and he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture, which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth in his humiliation. His justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you of whom does this prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came 
to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Now, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. So the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found in Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Now, this story, we're going to find some things that apply to us, but I can't help but note how this story ends. This story is incredible. Here, Philip baptizes the eunuch. And when the eunuch comes up out of the water, he is alone. Listen, you know this was a God moment because the scripture says he went on his way rejoicing. I just wonder if it had been me if I wouldn't have went my way screaming. Because that guy who was just with me he was lifted up by God and literally translocated. Now, I kind of read the Bible in HD, okay? Comes through to me at a little clearer image. So when I believe, this is just my belief, unless the Lord air dried him on the way, he showed up in the next city soaking wet. I mean, he shows up in the city, Azotus, wet, dripping from his last encounter with God. You know, you and I ought to show up sometimes dripping from our last encounter with God. The last time God used us, we're still dripping. We're like, wow, that was weird but I'm dripping with God's presence. I'm dripping with, with God's purpose. I'm dripping with it, and now I'm gonna move on to what God has for me next. And what we find about Philip is this. He was this man who was committed to being controlled by God's spirit. And I believe this is a wonderful example to us about being led by God into the desert. Another word uh, uh, for desert in the scriptures is wilderness. I want you to just look around Citrus County for a few moments. There are more trees than people. It's sort of, in one way or another, kind of like a wilderness. Some of you are still wondering how you got here. And it could be that the Lord picked you up and dropped you here because he wants to teach you how to become this spirit-controlled believer who lives in God's purposes and fulfills their destiny that's on their life. So, before we ever get to a point, we have to know this, that every born-again believer is on mission. If you truly are born of God's spirit here today, you have to know this. Your life has a purpose. 
when you first got born again, you know, if God was done with you, he would have taken you immediately to heaven. But you're still here. So you have a mission first to your family. I just want you to know many of us are dreaming about foreign shores and some of us need to start dreaming about front doors. We need to dream that God is going to do something amazing in our family because he doesn't want you to do something great in the nations and lose your family. Your first mission, dads, in this place is to be a priest of your home, to set an atmosphere where God can move. You need to understand, ladies, moms, even young people in this place, you could change the atmosphere of your home. You're on mission to your family. You're on a mission on your job. Instead of talking bad about your boss, pray for that joker. <laughs> I know it's easy to talk bad about. Instead of complaining about your teacher, pray for them. I promise you, you're on a mission. But if we don't get that settled, we'll never get to the place where we are living a spirit-led, spirit-controlled life. Why? Because then if we don't think that we're on a mission or know that we're on a mission for God, we'll think that we're on a mission for self. And flesh-led people live for self. Spirit-led people live for God. And God wants to make us those kinds of people. And we're on mission to family. You're on a mission in this church. You're on a mission in your neighborhood. And on your job, you are on a mission. And every one of us has an opportunity to live for God in a way that makes an eternal difference in someone else's life. And today we're going to look a little, a little deeper into the story of Philip. Find out how we can fulfill, fulfill our mission even in the wilderness the desert. So let's look at spirit-controlled followers first. If you and I want to be a spirit-controlled follower, we have to learn to listen. Look, just grab all of these L's today. It's easy to remember. Spirit-controlled believers, they listen and obey. It says, now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip and said, arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. I, 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 notice the partnership here. That it was God's voice that initiated the, the mission. But it was Philip's yes that unlocked it. He had to say yes. He had to say yes to what God was saying. And, and many of us, we confront a lot, a lot of things when God speaks. So, you know, maybe, you know, how are people going to perceive me if I say yes? Uh, how, you know, uh, am I going to lose friends? Am I going to lose my job if I say yes? We, we have to confront a lot of things. And, and you need to know something about God's voice. When God speaks to us as spirit-controlled believers, there, I, I think there's two things that you need to know. First, that God speaks... When it's inconvenient. When God speaks, it's often inconvenient. Notice what he says. Arise. He said, get up. I don't know about the other men in here, but in just a couple of hours, I am going to take my natural position on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> I go to church twice on Sunday and stand up the entire time. So at some, 
at some point, I drift off into this wonderful place of napping and resting on a Sunday afternoon. I believe it's a glorious gift from God. <laughs> and I actually think Philip was sitting down. Could have been laying down when this message comes because he said this, arise. He said, get up. When God spoke to him, it was inconvenient. He was doing his thing. He was resting. And, and, and many times when God's voice comes, it doesn't come when you've got things all aligned. He doesn't speak on your schedule. He speaks on his and I love this about a spirit-led believer. Spirit-led believers are ready to listen and obey on God's schedule, not theirs. That's an incredible thought that God's voice would come when it's inconvenient, but he will. And let me just say, my experience is this, is that whenever I would step out in those moments in obedience to the voice in the times of inconvenience, he shows up in the most powerful and profound ways. Let me tell you this other side about uh, when God speaks. Often when God speaks, it is also incomplete. It's incomplete. Meaning, he said, go south on the road, this is desert. Now, for all of the type A personalities in here that love details, and Philip, listen, he was married. He had, four, he had four girls who prophesied. I know he had a wife telling him what to do. <laughs> Philip, it, with his type A personality, could have said, um, God, I'm going to need a little more before I leave. Some more details so I can set some more things in order so I know exactly what the plan is. Because you didn't give me a list. Oh, some of you have lists for your lists. And so you're like, God, if he speaks to you and it's incomplete, you think that means don't move. But when God speaks and it's incomplete, what should you do? Move. Sometimes you need to get positioned before he speaks again. And it's not just about having every detail. It's about listening and obeying God. We have to live a life of faith and trust to complete God's mission for us. There was one day, I was leading this camp. And... I was filling up the vans because uh, we were going to travel in just a couple days. So I wanted to top off the vans. I'm at this gas station and I'm filling them up. And um, I um, was standing there just gassing it up. And I, all of a sudden I felt the Lord just say, I want you to walk across the street to this other corner. That's all he told me. And so I told one of our other youth leaders, I said, hey, would you please come? And finish gassing up this van. By the way, gassing up the van is necessary. One thing you never want to be is on the side of the road 
with 15 young people who might not have been wearing deodorant for the last four or five days. That's camp. Most of those are girls, by the way. That's amazing what girls do at camp. Um, who they become. Thank you, Lord. Uh, this is why I'm going to Freedom Weekend. Um, <laughs> so I said, hey, please finish uh, guessing this up. And I just walked across the street. I didn't know why God was telling me to go across the street. He said, just go across the street. Well, when I walked across the street, I actually uh, put my feet on the state border between Tennessee and Georgia. And right at that line, there was a sign that said, the pearly gates. I'm like, well, I'm in the right place. <laughs> I'm like, okay, God, I'm standing right here on this corner. What do you want me to see? What do you want me to do? And I looked down, there was a little chalkboard. And on this chalkboard, it said, live music, Thursday nights. That was going to be the next night, the final night of camp. And God spoke to me and says, go inside and ask him if you can bring your live music, the worship team, down to this corner and do worship on this corner. I'm like, that would be cool. So I go inside the pearly gates. I've been there. It's a great place. They have French fries and ice cream. Um, it's awesome. Heaven is going to be terrific. Um, and I met, I met the manager, and he was very kind. And he says, hey, I think that would be incredible. You're going to bring your whole camp down here, and you guys are going to do worship on this corner. Now, it's the only way. Like people passing from North Carolina come to this corner. It's a three-way stop. And everybody who stops there is going to hear us praising God. So I'm like, man, God's going to touch people as they're driving by, right? Well, here's what I didn't know. That God had started this story two days before. You see, one of our leaders was staying in a hotel that was nearby. And when they arrived at the hotel, the, uh, it, it wasn't ready. It wasn't cleaned up. So the manager called the lady who cleans the rooms. And it was kind of late at night. So she brought her three children with her down there. So she showed up, and she's, and our, our, our leaders, they're just incredible people. So they said, hey, you got your three kids? I'll watch them while you're doing this. Well, that was great until her estranged husband showed up and saw his three kids with a stranger and freaks out on her. On them, luckily, they were able to calm him down enough that it didn't get violent. And he took his kids away. Well, that the next night when we showed up and we're leading worship and all of these people are beeping and people across the street are singing in worship and some people are looking at us strange and, and wondering what in the world are they jumping up and down and singing and doing all of this stuff on this corner for... Um, well, in the middle of that worship time, the manager of the Pearly Gates came out. And the youth leader that was staying in the hotel called him by name because it was the estranged husband. Moments later, we're gathering around a sobbing husband saying, 
I'm losing my marriage. I don't know how God did this. How did God get that person that was staying across town to be standing here now while you're worshiping and praising to find me in this place of hopelessness? How did that happen? It happened at a gas station. I didn't even know the story till after it had happened. And so sometimes you just got to listen. And it, I, I needed to fill up the, the van. But it, and it was inconvenient. And it was incomplete. I didn't get the whole story. I saw a chalkboard that said live music. But God was dreaming about something else. I want to I heal a marriage. I want to put a family back together. See, God sometimes is dreaming about something greater than we are. And so what do we need to do as spirit-controlled believers? We need to listen and obey. And then as spirit-controlled believers, we need to look. Not only do we need to listen and respond and obey, we need to look for our assignment. Philip did just that. He got down there in desert and he says, and behold. That's what it means. It means look, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. In a desert where nobody lives, where no one stays, he found his destiny. Never be afraid to follow the Spirit of God to a desert. You might find your destiny there. Let me say it. Never be afraid to follow God into a wilderness or a really green county. You might find your destiny there if you're looking for it. Where God has planted you. And in the desert where nobody lives is a man who's searching to know God. And it's important that we look carefully at who this man was. He was a man of great authority. He had position. He had popularity. People in Ethiopia would know who he is. He is in charge of all of the finances of the nation. And as a result, he is also a man of great wealth. So everything on the outside looks like he's got it together. There's only one issue. He's a eunuch. His identity has been stolen from him. His life cannot produce what God had intended because of the scars of his past. And can I just say, there's a, this, this region's filled with people like this eunuch. On the outside, they look like they've got it together. They may have a job. People may know their name in this county, but who are they under the clothes? Who are they? They're people who are in need. 
There are people scarred with the past, carrying sin, carrying perhaps addictions and abuse and things that are not going that way. On the outside, they may look like they have it together, but on the inside, they're like this eunuch, scarred. And let me just say it plainly. If you're here today and you feel a little bit like this man who's searching for God and, and you don't know that he's God and you feel like you have scars, well, sin leaves scars that only Jesus can heal. And Jesus is still healing scarred people today. He loves you. He's brought you here. And he would cause people like Philip, spirit-controlled people, to go to places so that you could have your scars healed by one who took scars for you. I want you to know that Jesus, when he was telling his disciples who to look for, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7, he says, As you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. He says, notice the condition of their assignment. They are sick, they are dead, they are leprous, they're demonized. He says, these people are your assignment. When you see someone sick, you ought to think, God is sending me in this moment. I need to look for the sick. Leprosy. You know, we don't have leprosy in this county, thank God, but see, leprosy biblically is probably the greatest type and shadow of sin in all of the scripture. And it, it represents, it represents sin. So do, do you know anybody who is caught in a sinful condition that is destroying their life? And the answer is yes. And when you see those people, it is not time to judge or to turn a blind eye or to walk away. When you're a spirit-controlled believer, you are looking for your assignment. And many times your assignment is sick and leprous and demonized. And it's not people that you normally want to hang out with. It's just the people that Jesus wants to hang out with. Sin of all kinds leaves scars. Only Jesus can heal. And if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God, you need to know that there is an offering from heaven today to heal every wound, to forgive every sin, and to remove every stain. Now we, as we're learning to become more and more like a spirit-controlled believer, we need to do what Philip did, and that is this third L, leap into our moment. Anybody ever been in that moment, somebody's talking about God around you, and they got it wrong in the worst way? I mean, they're talking about God, and they, you just know, man, you hear them talking about God, and it's just weird. Like, they got their theology from a country song or something, you know? I, I, I heard this song, ugh, allow me to vent. I heard this song, this country song, that borrowed a term from Christianity and totally steps all over it. Don't sing it, because it's catchy. It says, holy, 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 I'm high on loving you. Holy, holy, holy. Oh, where, you, where, where have we read that before? And I, 
I, I really do believe that there are all time, kinds of these moments where people build weird theologies about God and then we show up and we get that little butterfly bubble in our chest. You know what that is, right? You're supposed to leap into the moment. You're thinking, I, do I say something now? Because she might fire me. Uh, do I say something now? Because I don't know how they're going to respond. That's when you leap into your moment. Look at what Philip did. It says, then the spirit said to Philip, in the desert, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. Just a few verses down, it says, so the eunuch said to Philip, it says, I ask you of whom does this prophet say this of, of himself or some other man? And then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture preached Jesus to them. What did Philip do? In that moment when he sees him, a government official in an Ethiopian chariot, he takes off running after it. Not something I recommend today. Please don't do that. Don't take a trip to Washington, D.C. Try to chase down the senator because you've got a word from the Lord. You're going to get something from a sniper, okay? Don't do, don't do that, okay? But here's what he did. He leapt into the moment. And he did not care how foolish he looked as a man dressed in Middle Eastern garb, which, by the way, meant he had to kind of pull up the tunic and wrap it and expose those really white legs. <laughs> and he's running in sandals after a chariot. Guys, most of the time, what's stopping us from leaping into our moment is what we think others are going to think about us. When all along, we just need to say, God, this is my moment. I've got to overtake this chariot. I've got to run this one down. I've got to go after this person. Philip chased a chariot and he opened his mouth. I've said this many times. I'm sure other pastors have as well. But faith in God is spelled R-I-S-K. Risk. We got to risk. We got to go after it. Notice this chariot was going away from him. Most of us think, man, if I get right with God, everyone's just going to come to me. I'm just going to float around, and all of the sinners and all of the people who don't know Jesus, they're just going to come to me. No, sometimes you have to. Go and find them. Recently, uh, my wife asked me a question uh, that I think she knew the answer to before I gave her the answer. And this was the question. Hey, do you want to go to Walmart with me? <laughs> I paused. And there was just this little thing. Like, I like going to Walmart in parking spots one through eight. Then the guy comes out, brings my groceries, and I drive away. That's how I like going to Walmart. <laughs> but going inside, 
not so much. But we need to go in and pick up some things, and um, she needed to go and get something on the other side of the store. I have my youngest son with me. I said, you know what? I think I will. I'll, I'll go. And, uh, I, you know, I'm trying to teach my youngest son um, just a little bit about responsibility. So, you know, I say, okay, hey, here's the list your mother gave us. The list. And so we have a list. <laughs> and uh, some, we were trying to figure out what some of the things were. We couldn't figure out some of them. Think. CC. I thought that was candy corn. Turns out it was cream cheese. But um, uh, so it's true. This is my life. And, uh, and so, but I'm trying to teach my younger son, uh, hey, you know, you, 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 we, we don't, you got to be smart about what you go and pick out and what you, I said, there's something certain. I'm going to send you over to the milk. This is easy. You can handle this, man. Fifth grade, you got this. Go get the milk that we normally get. And, and so I was picking out something else. He goes over to the milk, and uh, he picked the milk that they evidently get from a golden cow, which is like $9 <laughs> a gallon. And uh, I'm like, son, this is not the same. Yeah, but it's organic. And I say, yes, it is, and it's going back in. So I said, well, we'll just go back over there. And um, when I got over there, um, there was a girl that spent two or three years in our youth ministry standing in front of the very door I needed to go and get my milk out of. And I saw her, and at first, I was like, huh, maybe this is why I'm here. And so I just walked up, and I just kind of playfully scared her to death. <laughs> Nobody said you can't have fun serving Jesus. <laughs> I, said, I put my hand on her. I said, I said, you're mastering that milk, you know? And she's like trying to figure out. And she's like, oh! And, and she turns and looks at me. She says, Pastor Otis, and immediately starts to cry. And says, you always show up in my life in times where I really need something. And I'm like, I look down and there's a hospital badge. And she began to tell me a story. How just moments before, she had went out to run an errand and then turned around real quick to go back home. And her, her fiancé relapsed. And when she walked back in, he was blue on the floor. And while calling 911, she's doing CPR. See, sometimes you just got to go chase them down. Way in the back of Walmart. And in that moment right there, I just put my arms around her and prayed for her. And I said, listen, Jesus is the answer. I said, you got to look at your fiance and say, I know that everything around you is saying 
be numb to everything, but Jesus is the answer. And I said, you've known forever. And I don't know why I run into you on this side of town. And sometimes three years ago, way over on the other side of town, I can't explain this other than I got to tell you, Jesus is the answer. And we prayed right there. And I'm sure that God left his fingerprints on that situation. But you know what I had to do? When I recognized who was standing at that place I needed to go, you know what some of us do? We're like, uh, I'll, I'll go get the dog food right now. <laughs> Let's be honest. Sometimes we don't leap into our moment. We actually avoid it. And I want to invite you to a spirit-controlled life, a spirit-led life, where God leads you into moments that you can't fabricate on your own. They come because of the spirit of God. And not only do we need to listen and look and leap, we've got to lead. We've got to lead them to Christ. While I think that Calvary is the most amazing church in this county, I am biased, okay? If you went to another church, we would probably say the same thing about this place. As awesome as Calvary is, Calvary's not the answer. The Christ of Calvary is the answer. And we as a church... I want you to invite people here. We love that you're inviting people here. But more than that, we have to invite not people just to church. We have to lead people to Christ. It wasn't that Philip was just saying, hey, by the way, we got a really cool life group for you to come to. That's amazing. It's like, no. I need to give you Christ because Christ is what is going to help you with the scars. Christ is what is going to satisfy your searching. It is Christ. It is Christ who will actually come and heal this place. It is Christ who wants to use you. It is Christ. And we have to lead them to Christ. It says, now as they went down the road, they came and he says, Here, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? He says, if you believe with all your heart, you may. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still and both Philip and the eunuch went down in the water and he baptized him. Christ is the answer to the hurting in this region for the searching. Christ is the satisfaction that comes from heaven. Christ is the one who cleanses us from every guilty stain. Christ is the one. And yet Romans tells us that spirit-controlled believers have a part to play. It says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? This is not talking about the guy who stands on a stage on a Sunday morning. This is actually describing everyday believers in Christ who are controlled by his spirit that you and I are called to go and preach and lead people to Christ. I believe we've got to start listening and obeying. We gotta look for our assignments. We gotta leap into our moment because why? This is our moment. Your moment's not coming. Young people, 
Your moment's not tomorrow, it's today. You don't have tomorrow yet. When tomorrow gets here, that'll be your moment too. Some of you in here, you're retired. You're like, oh, my moment was 10, 20 years ago. No, it's not. You're still here on this earth. We're not standing over you saying nice words yet. So God's got a plan for you. Come on. The scripture says you can be well watered in your old age. I'm holding on to that. It means all my joints are going to work well. They're going to be lubricated. Hallelujah. God's got a plan for you. And he wants you to preach. He wants you to lead people to Christ. Let me give you a weighty statement. Let it weigh on your soul. Let it weigh on your heart, believers. The silence of the church is the enemy of God's purpose. Our silence is actually com complicit to Satan's plan for this place. And I don't want to partner with Satan who is only trying to steal, kill, and destroy. I want to partner with Jesus who is offering resurrection life and forgiveness of sins to all who would believe. And here's what we must do. We must open our mouths, find where people are in their life, in their searching, find out where they are, and lead them to Christ. Our friends and acquaintances who don't know Christ are in a desert. They're wounded and searching. And God's answer is to send out an obedient, spirit-controlled church to lead them to the feet of Jesus. Church, I believe the Holy Spirit is compelling us to go Places that we don't come up with in our own hearts and minds. He wants to take us where he's leading. He's thinking about someone else. If you're here today and someone brought you, you're a guest here and you don't have a relationship with Christ, a real one, how do you know? You're led by God's spirit. That's how you know. You don't have a relationship, guess what? This is our desert moment. And you've pulled the chariot over, and here we are sitting together. What's keeping you from believing? And the answer is nothing. If you believe with all your heart, today is your day.